0: It's Christina. welcome to Archilage, the podcast where we enjoy learning about art trends, style, history, architecture, culture, and so much more. How many times you stood in a museum, in front of a painting, or in front of a temple or a cathedral, wishing you know the artist, history, and the interpretation behind it. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the most famous paintings in the world. We're gonna discover together what make those paintings the most famous paintings in the world, the artist, the reason and the mystery behind it all. First comes the Mona Lisa. Who doesn't know the Mona Lisa or at least hasn't heard of it? I guess no one. Who painted the Mona Lisa? Let me tell you. First, he's Italian. He's not just an artist but a scientist and inventor during the Italian Renaissance too. He is best known for his paintings, notably the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper, that we'll talk about it in a bit. His drawing of the Vitruvian man has also become a cultural icon. He is considered to be one of the most versatile polymaths of all time. Did you know who I'm talking about? It's Leonardo da Vinci. The estimated date for the painting is between 1503 to 1519. You can find the Mona Lisa at the Louvre Museum in Paris. Let's talk about the secrets of this painting. One of the most legendary reasons for the Mona Lisa's fame is her mischievous smile. Leonardo da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa in such a way that the eyes of the Mona Lisa fall into the center of vision of the user, while the lips fall into the peripheral vision. You can try this. You focus on the smile and it slowly disappears, as if it were never a smile to begin with. This is where the magic of Leonardo's skills resides, and that's what made this painting unique in comparison to other paintings of the time. While I was having conversation with a friend, the topic of the Mona Lisa came up unexpectedly. More specifically, why the price of any painting would approach 1 billion dollars? What's so special about the Mona Lisa? Did you know? Before the 20th century, historians say the Mona Lisa was little known outside art circles. But in 1911, an ex Nova employee took the portrait and hid it for two years. That theft helped cement the painting's place in popular culture ever since and exposed millions to Renaissance art. Talking about the technique of not using lines or borders. One of the tools Da Vinci created was the sfumato technique, which translates to without lines or borders in the manner of smoke. It was typical at the time for artists to form an outline, whereas Da Vinci did not use outlines, but instead used different tones, shades of paint to create the illusion of light and shadow. Leonardo da Vinci was famous for another painting which is The Last Supper. The estimated date for this painting is 1495 to 1498. You can find this painting at Santa Maria in Milan, Italy. Leonardo the original Renaissance man is the only artist to appear on this list twice, painted in an era when religious imagery was still a dominant artistic theme. The Last Supper, it was the last time Jesus broke bread with his disciples before his crucifixion. The painting is actually a huge fresco, 4.6 meters high and 8.8 meters wide. The painting represents the scene of the Last Supper of Jesus with his apostles. The Last Supper could represent one of the last moments where the divine legacy of Jesus was present on earth. And in honoring this message, Christians feel they are honoring Jesus. Leonardo was well known for his love of symmetry. In his Last Supper, the layout is largely horizontal. The large table is seen in the foreground of the image with all of the figures behind it. The painting is largely symmetrical with the same number of figures on either side of Jesus. Did you know that the fresco has survived two wartime threats? Napoleon's troops used the wall of the refectory on which the fresco was painted as target practice. It also was exposed to the air for several years when bombing during World War II destroyed the roof of the Dominican convent of Santa Maria del Grazzi in Milan. Allow me to share with you some interesting facts about this painting. First, the secret of the Last Supper. The Last Supper is a very popular religious scene painted by many celebrated artists. Unlike artists before and after him, Leonardo da Vinci chose not to put halos on Jesus Christ. Many art historians believe that Leonardo da Vinci believed in nature, not in God. To Leonardo, nature is God, so he treated every character in the fresco as common people. Another fact about the painting, the spilled salt is symbolic. Speculations about symbolism in the artwork are plentiful. For example, many scholars have discussed the meaning of the spilled salt container near Judas Elbow. Spilled salt could symbolize bad luck, loss, religion, or Jesus as salt of the earth. Here's an interesting fact. The painting is also a musical score. According to an Italian musician Giovanni Maria Pala, Da Vinci incorporated musical notes in The Last Supper. In 2007, Pala created a 40-second melody from the notes that were hidden in the scene. And the last sad fact about the painting is that it has been a victim of neglect and abuse. In 1652, monastery residents cut a new door in the wall of the painting, which removed a chunk of the artwork, showing the feet of Jesus. And now we're gonna talk about one of my favorite paintings, The Starry Night. The Starry Night was painted by Vincent van Gogh. He's Dutch and was born in the Netherlands. It was painted in 1889. You can visit it at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. The abstract painting is a signature example of van Gogh's innovative and bold use of thick brush strokes. The painting's striking blues and yellows and the dreamy, swirling atmosphere have intrigued art lovers for decades. Did you know that Van Gogh was living in France being treated for mental illness when he painted The Starry Night, he was inspired by the view from the window of his room. One of the most common quotes for Vincent Van Gogh was, I don't know anything with certainty, but seeing the stars makes me dream. Let's talk about some interesting facts you didn't know before about The Starry Night. Van Gogh considered *The Starry Night*, which one day would rank among his most famous works, to be a failure, according to what he wrote to his brother once. Here's a fact from a physicist's perspective: Luis Aragon compared the turbulent play of light and dark in such works as *Starry Night* to the mathematical expression of turbulence in such natural occurrences as whirlpools and earth streams, and from an astronomical view. Research has confirmed that the dominant morning star in the painting is actually Venus, which was in a similar position at that time Van Gogh was working on Starry Night, and it would have shone brightly, just as Van Gogh painted it. As I mentioned before about Van Gogh's illness, a pathologist, Paul Wolf, postulated in 2011 that the artist's fondness for yellow in paintings like Starry Night resulted from taking too much digitalis, a treatment in his day for epilepsy. To this day, the painting resonates with art fans and the general public due to its vibrant palette to the swirling motion that seems to draw viewers right into the center of the artist's fantastical vision. Sadly, Vincent committed a suicide. He went out early in the morning to the fields to paint, according to his usual habit. No one thought anything of it until he did not return for supper. At twilight, he appeared walking strangely as the Ravoux family relaxed after dinner. Before he could go to his room, Madame Ravoux asked what was wrong. Vincent gave the respond, I am wounded. Mr. Ravoux followed Vincent to his room where he questioned him further until Vincent admitted that he had shot himself in the chest. time to talk about Edvard Munch and his famous painting The Scream. He is an Norwegian artist. He painted this painting in 1893 and you can see it at the National Museum in Oslo, Norway. First things first, The Scream is not a single work of art. According to a British Museum's blog, there are two paintings, two pastels and then an unspecified number of prints. The paintings reside in the National Museum and the Munch Museum and in 2012 one of the pastels sold for almost 120 million dollars at auction. Much like the case of the Mona Lisa, during thefts 1994 and 2004 of the two painting versions of The Scream helped elevate the public's awareness of the artworks, both were eventually found. Everything you thought about The Scream is wrong. Did you know the androgynous figure in the forefront of the Art Nouveau style painting isn't producing the scream, but rather is trying to block out a piercing shriek coming from nature? It was inspired by an actual experience Munch had while taking in a sunset stroll in Oslo when a dramatic red hue overwhelmed his senses. Again, facts about the scream. The scream isn't one piece, but four. Munch created a quartet of executions of the familiar scene. In 1893, the Norwegian artist made the painted virgin, as well as a crying piece. The original name was not the scream, but instead it was the scream of nature. The scream might also be about suicide, wait a minute, starry night again? Munch scholar places the creation of the first scream in a time when the Norwegian painter was broke fresh of a failed love affair, and fearful of developing the mental illness that ran in his family. Here's a funny fact, Thieves left a mocking note when the scream was first stolen, leaving a note that read, thanks for the port security. Thankfully, the painting was recovered within three months. Have you heard about the Guernica? It's for the artist Pablo Picasso. He's a Spanish artist and painted the painting in 1937. You can visit it at the Museum of Reina Sofia in Madrid. The Guernica shows the German aerial bombing of the town of Guernica in the Basque region during the Spanish Civil War. The painting has a distinctive Picasso style, and its unflinching examination of the horrors of war made it an essential, essential part of 20th century culture and history. Did you know that the Guernica was moved to the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art in New York during World War II for safekeeping? Picasso requested that the stay be extended until democracy returned to Spain. It finally went to Madrid in 1981. Six years after the death of longtime Spanish dictator Gen. Francisco Franco, Picasso refused to talk about the painting's symbolism. Scholars have long tried to decode the significance of the symbols in Guernica, especially the horse and ball figures. Naturally, Picasso was prompt to explain the use of these features in his painting. He never offered anything more revelatory than "this ball is a ball and this horse is a horse." And he added, if you give a meaning to certain things in my paintings, it may be very true, but it is not my idea to give this meaning. I make the painting for the painting, I paint the objects for what they are. Now we're gonna talk about a painting which is very known for its sensuality and it is the kiss. The artist is Gustav Klimt. He's Austrian. The estimated date for the painting is 1907 to 1908. Where to see it? Upper Belvedere Museum in Vienna, Austria. Let's study love with Gustav Klimt's beloved The Kiss. From Klimt's golden period, Byzantine artistic influences can be seen in the highly decorative robes worn by the passionate life-sized couple. Klimt makes a general statement about love being at the heart of human existence. Given its magnetic appeal, it seems people agree. The Kiss is a simple portrait of lust and love. Did you know about this? While well, The Kiss isn't for sale, other works by Klimt are bought and sold for huge sums. Oprah Winfrey uploaded the 1907 artwork portrait of Adele Bloch Bauer II for 150 million dollars in 2016 for a cool $60 million dollar profit. Let's talk about the painting. The piece reflects a collision of artistic styles. The pose of the lovers in the kiss reflects the natural forms favored in the Vienna Art Nouveau of Vienna Uganda style movement. But the simple forms with the bold patterns of the purse cloaks shows the impact of the arts and crafts movement, while the use of spiral harkens back to Bronze Age art. Let's talk about some interesting facts about the kiss. Klimt created his most famous work in a time of creative panic, and it was bought before it was finished. The painting is really big, the kiss measures 180 cm by 180 cm, nearly a six foot square. The kiss never disappoints in person. The kiss does what a great piece of art is supposed to do, hold your gaze, make you admire its aesthetic qualities while trying to discern what's beyond its superficial aspects. painting which gets compared with the Mona Lisa the girl with a pearl earring the artist is Johannes Vermeer from Netherlands he's Dutch the estimated date for the painting is 1665 you can visit it at the Hague Netherlands this intriguing favorite often gets compared with the Mona Lisa besides the stylistic differences technically girl with a pearl earring isn't even a portrait but a trony a Dutch word for a painting of an imaginary figure with exaggerated features. The oil on canvas masterpiece is brilliant in its simplicity. The girl wearing a blue and gold turban and oversized pearl earring is the entire focus with only a dark backdrop behind her. Did you know why the Mauritshuis Museum underwent a renovation from 2012 to 2013? Girl with a pearl earring went out on a tour in the United States. Italy and Japan it drew huge crowds further its status as one of the world's most famous works of art despite its simple composition Johannes Vermeer's girl with the pearl earring has captured the imaginations of art fans around the world while little is certain about the girl behind the mesmerizing gaze here's what we do know about this now legendary work no one knows for sure who the girl is Speculation on her identity led to a novel, movie, and stage production. The girl may be Vermeer's daughter, girl with a pearl earring isn't its only name. The painting has alternately been called girl in a turban, head of a girl in a turban, the young girl with turban, and head of a young girl. The painting also has a nickname. Often girl with a pearl earring is referred to as the Mona Lisa of the North. This is partially because of the girl's curious expression and in part because of the mystery surrounding the piece itself. Vermeer likely used the same earring for another of his paintings. It probably wasn't a real pearl. The paint used for the turban was incredibly expensive. Girl with a pearl earring will never leave home again. And so Girl with the Pearl Earring joined the ranks of Bocelli's, Birth of Venus, Picasso's Guernica, and Les Demoiselles uh, d'Avignon. I don't know, French, as works sworn to stay safe in their home museums for all time Talking about the oldest painting in the top 10 and competing with the kiss comes the birth of Venus. The artist is Sandro Bocelli. He's an Italian artist. The estimated date for the painting is 1485. And you can visit it in Florence, Italy. The oldest painting in the top 10 and competing with the kids. For most sensuous. The birth of Venus was probably commissioned by a member of the wealthy and art-living Medici family which ruled Florence and nearby areas for centuries. marrying a renewed interest in classic Greek culture with early Renaissance style, Bocelli creates an unforgettable figure with the goddess of love emerging from a huge scallop shell. Bocelli's Venus features two significant departures from most other works of his contemporaries, First, he painted on canvas instead of the popular wood. Secondly, nudity was rare at this time, so it was during that Venus is completely exposed minus her lung flowing hair and a hand barely covering her most intimate body parts. The birth of Venus depicts several gods. Venus, goddess of love, stands on the seashell, being blown to shore by Zephyr, god of the west wind. There, goddess of the seasons is ready with a cape to cloth the newborn deity. The painting may contain very subtle hidden genitalia, and no, we don't mean what lies beneath Venus's carefully placed palm. The shell she stands on may be meant to represent female genitalia, which creates a birthing scene that reflects Venus's ocean origins while connecting symbolically to human birth. Venus's nudity was groundbreaking. It's an early work on canvas. During this period of the early Renaissance, painting on wood panels was all the rage, but canvas popularity was on the rise. Especially in humid regions where wood tended to wrap, since canvas was cheaper than wood, its perceived status was a bit lower, so it was reserved for works that weren't intended for grand public displays. Talking about the facts of the birth of Venus. The birth of Venus has a companion piece, which is La Primavera. It's bigger than you'd think. The birth of Venus measures in at roughly 6 feet by 9 feet. It's been called the first large-scale canvas created in Renaissance Florence. The birth of Venus survived the bonfire of the vanities. The birth of Venus may have been inspired by a poem. The birth of Venus is a landmark of beauty. Beyond being a beloved example of Renaissance art, The painting has also become a marker by which other eras, beauty norms are measured. Her pose has been co-opted by various modern models. And as recently as 2014, the birth of Venus has been used as a tool to criticize modern beauty standards. And last but not least, We're going to talk now about the La Menaninas, it was by the artist Diego Velazquez from Spanish origin. The painting was painted in 1656 and you can find it at the Museum del Prado in Madrid. Madrid is the only city in this roundup where you'll find two of the ten most famous paintings. First being Guernica and La Meninas. La Meninas is not only Diego's most famous painting, it's also one of his largest. The complexity of the work has fascinated our critics and the public for centuries. The painting does double duty as a portrait. It serves as a group portrait of Spanish royalty, but it's also a self-portrait of Diego himself at work. At first glance, Diego's painting La Meninas might seem like just another portrait, but then your eye snags on some curious detail. Soon you can't look away, locked into uncovering clues that have long fascinated and frustrated art historians. Let's dig into the mystery. Lamininas could be called a royal portrait, but really, it's more of a mashup. The king and queen are cleverly included. Above the prince's head, you'll notice a dark wooden frame. Within it, two figures can be seen. Even though Diego was a painter to the king, it was still a bold move to include himself in the painting, which which turned a royal commission into a self-portrait, but that's him on the left with a brush in hand. There's a mystery surrounding what Diego was painting. One of the biggest questions about La Melanina's centers on the canvas that faces away from the viewer. Some scholars think the framed image of the king and queen in the background is not a portrait, but a mirror reflecting the royalty standing before the princess and the painter, just out of frame posing to be immortalized in oil paints. It's enormous, the painting measures in at roughly 10.5 feet by 9 feet. It went straight from royal hands to the national museum. Its name was changed at some point given the name of portrait of the Empress with her ladies and a dwarf. Unsurprisingly, Lamenaninas made Diego famous over one fifty years after his death. the last painting which is recreated in sarcasm posts funny jokes and other graphic and digital art which is the creation of Adam which is by the famous artist Michelangelo he's Italian and the painting dates back to 1508 to 1512 you can see it at the Sistine Chapel Vatican City the most famous work by the artist Michelangelo covers a section of the Sistine Chapel's ceiling you have to look up to view it The scene depicts God and Adam with outstretched arms, their fingers nearly touching. It is one of the most replicated images in history. Adam's muscular form hints at Michelangelo's other talent. His David is possibly the world's most famous sculpture. You can see the towering marble statue at the Galleria dell'Accademia in Florence. 500-year-old sculpture is confirmed as Michelangelo's only surviving bronzes. Did you know that the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel has been dulled by centuries of exposure to candle smoke, among much less, after a long extensive cleaning that ended in 1989, people were shocked to see the bright vibrant colors Michelangelo originally used. Michelangelo actually fired all the apprentices that were there to help him, preferring to do it all himself. It took him 4 years to finish the Sistine Chapel, and a significant part of that was the creation of Adam. Michelangelo was reluctant. Few know this, but Michelangelo reluctantly accepted the commission to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. He was accomplished in many forms of art, but he considered himself to be a sculptor and not a painter by trade. Lucky for us, he eventually accepted. Let's talk about the figures of God and Adam. In the painting, God is an elderly white-bearded man wrapped in a swirling cloak, while Adam, who's on the lower left, is completely nude. God's arm is stretched towards Adam to impart the spark of life from his own finger. Adam's left arm is extended in a pose that mirrors God, a reminder that man was indeed created in the image and likeness of God. The nudes in this painting were not ignored by the more delicate sensibilities of the times. In 1564, the Council of Trent decided the painting was indecent and ordered the nude parts covered with fig leaves, clothing and other items. During large restorations performed between the 80s and 90s, many of these nudity-covering additions were removed, revealing numerous previously unseen details. Michelangelo wasn't the first to see it complete. Michelangelo couldn't even see his creation first. He had to leave the scaffolding there for it no to come apart, and so he completed the entire ceiling without being able to see his painting as a whole. And so he got to feast his eyes on the entire thing for the first time at its actual unveiling. Not the original commission Michelangelo was originally hired to paint something completely different, which was to paint the 12 apostles on the penditives, supporting the ceiling and leave the center of the ceiling simply adorned. However, Michelangelo had a much grander idea in mind, and personally persuaded Pope Julius to give him license to carry out his vision. A complex painting involving the creation, the fall of man, the promise of salvation through the prophets and even the genealogy of Christ. Leaving the best for last, in the four years that it took Michelangelo to paint the frescoes of the chapel, he left the painting of the figure of God to the very end, so his technique would be refined to such a degree that the figure would come out as close to perfect as he could make it. Some fascinating features about this painting. The brain isn't the only human body analogy found in the painting. Many believe the red cloth around God has the shape of a human uterus and the scarf hanging out could be a newly cut umbilical cord. Many speculate about the 12 figures surrounding God. Most experts believe that the figure protected by God's left arm and because it is feminine and Serg and Adam is Eve herself others speculate that the creation of adam draws some fascinating parallels to the human brain given michelangelo's expertise in anatomy these theories have some basis to them for example the shapes that make up god and his retina also make up a pretty accurate anatomical figure of the human brain including stem front lobe, and artery thinking of how michelangelo painted the painting on the ceiling michelangelo did not lie on his back It is a popular belief that Michelangelo painted the ceiling while laying on his back but he actually invented his own type of scaffolding the man was a genius after all that allowed him to paint standing up with more control and precision Now to give you my opinion, after a lot of reading and analyzing many famous paintings and reason behind their popularity and significance, I came up with a conclusion. 1. Most artists struggled with mental illness or were facing a lot of life hurdles. 2. The painting survived fires, wars, thefts, and time. Three, The size of the paintings was large and enormous and it isn't easy to give the perfect proportions when painting on large large planes. The fourth point is the type of paint used in them and my last point is due to the absence of interpretation from the artist himself that led to many theories and opinions from several artists, philosophers and religious people. I hope you enjoyed my episode, for more interesting upcoming topics follow my Archilas channel on Anchor and Spotify, and on and on Instagram for digital art collages.